Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, second hour is here. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow here at Outkick.com slash watch. Glad you're with us. Coming up, Bobby Carpenter will be with us. It's in about 15 minutes. Plus, Sean Merriman, lights out. Sean Merriman on the NFL playoffs, also uh, just around the corner. 37 and a half, 37 and a half million viewers was the average uh, for the NFC Divisional Round matchup between San Francisco and Green Bay. That projects to be the most watched Saturday telecast of any network since the 1994 Winter Olympics. And Chad, that year, what happened? Tanya Harding v. Nancy Kerrigan was 1994. That was the fallout from Nancy Kerrigan uh, being attacked. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, it was funny. We came here today, and I think Davey asked the question, so what, what was in 94, the Lillehammer Olympics, why was that so important? I immediately thought, Tanya Harding, boom. That is crazy. Crazy good numbers and crazy to think about. We haven't had a Saturday night telecast of that ilk since that 94 uh, figure skating competition. Up 31% from last year. Yeah, and Clay brought this up also, and it's interesting. Starting in 2019, they did a better job of factoring in out-of-home viewing people at sports mm-hmm. bars, right? We, we had an event uh, out of town. We, we were helping host this weekend. We were watching it on televisions. Uh, somewhere. So the fact they can factor for that now and calculate that in their numbers, I think have helped a lot of these. That's what we're seeing these gigantic ratings. Yeah. And the, I mean, the ratings were, and because this is for Saturday, the Saturday telecast, we've seen uh, even larger numbers for some of the viewing audiences uh, for Sundays, even last week. Um, so, I mean, it's again, massive and it only continues to grow. 23 million watched the wildcard matchup on Peacock. Only streaming on Peacock, twenty-three million. That's the um, that's the uh, believed rating there. By the way, the January fourteenth, it was Packers Cowboys, forty million is what they averaged for that. Twenty fourteen Packers Cowboys was the Des Bryant catch no catch okay. game, where it ended on a, a ball that should have been ruled a catch. They later changed the rule, but was ruled incomplete, and the Cowboys lost. As the Cowboys have done a lot in the playoffs since uh, winning their last Super Bowl, they lost once again in that game. Chad, you mentioned what we, this weekend with Clay, and we had an event, plus uh, took in uh, Tennessee, taking on Alabama in basketball down in Knoxville, uh, over in Knoxville. Uh, a honorable mention, Alf, of, of the week, uh, well, it was Chad Withrow, navigating the roads, um, especially in the hills of Tennessee. And uh, even with the four-wheel drive truck, it was dicey with the icy conditions. Well done, sir. I appreciate that. First time I've had to put my car in four-wheel drive uh, was was this weekend. And uh, where we stayed was off one main road. But, I mean, the moment you get off the main road, it's tenuous. You can see right away, this is a skating rink in this spot. And there was just one little hill that we had to navigate, uh, causing us at one point to just go in reverse a little bit. To get down a hill, but safely. We were riding the headlights. And then in, into, a, into, a, uh, into a driveway 
very gracefully, and then right back out the street. We need to go. You did this well. Back on pavement. Hutton, I have never felt better about experiencing above freezing temperatures in Nashville, Tennessee, than today when the sun came out and it got into the high 40s and this stuff was melting. Because we have been in a deep freeze now for eight days, seven days. A week ago today. Started Sunday night, I think. So it's been about eight days. We have been well below freezing. Uh, into the zero minus temperature, minus zero wind chills. It's been bad. Um, this weekend was not great, but we got to and from safely. And luckily, most of the main roads were fine. Not great. Uh, Jane Rashada and the recruitment uh, that Florida and their uh, collective put on. What was it? 13 million? Was that the perceived? I think it was 13 uh, million for four price. years. Uh, of course, he ends up at Arizona State. And. Uh, according to the Tampa Bay Times, a reporter, Matt Baker, uh, the NCAA has been looking into this since June 9th of last year. And, well, we hear that, well, the NCAA has sent Florida the, the notice of inquiry to their school president. And this isn't just sounding like your run-of-the-mill violation here. There seem to be uh, uh, several links to a paper trail, Chad. You and I and, and Clay discussing this over the weekend. This It doesn't specify exactly what the investigation pertained to about the notice from June 9th. This is going to tie into Rashada. And the offer that if you come here, and only if you come here, and you play for the Gators, will you receive X amount. And, yeah, that's, and it's going to actually help Rashada's case because everyone's kind of laughing at him whenever he was uh, saying he was, he was offered this. And then, of course, the rug was pulled out from under him, it sounds like. Well, the information I've received on this, um, not not from media sources, is that this is going to be worse than some other situations out there. Across the SEC, this is not going to be the last report of an SEC school under investigation for a high-profile quarterback uh, that they have on their roster with NIL. I think people can probably put the dots together about another one that a lot of people were talking about, even in the media during games, about how much it cost uh, for a certain player in the SEC. The NCAA is looking around at all of these. I don't think... They're going to be able to do much uh, with any of these, like they can't in a lot of situations. But this is the one I'm being told that could be different from two different perspectives. One, I do think there's a paper trail about a contract being signed that was contingent upon this player playing for the school to get the money. Most collectives have been smart enough to not make it direct about language that you are getting this for playing here, specifically. Not talking about in generalities about what you could make at a certain place with a certain collective, but putting it in writing that it's contingent upon playing for Florida. If that's the case, that's a pretty direct yes, issue yes. for Florida where they just signed a guy to a contract and they're going to be in some trouble there. The other one was this collective was pretty bold on social media about it. In fact, I'm pretty sure they've, they've since deleted, but they were bragging about the money they spent to get Jaden Rashada, which raised a lot of eyebrows the, at, at the time. I believe this is going to be worse at Florida than anywhere else with the NCAA, with, with what happened with Jaden Rashada. We knew at the time it was a bad look just because Florida apparently decided to, to renege on their contract. And when that happened, we knew this was going to be bad for in a lot of ways. And now the NCAA is knocking down their door. Well, speaking of the $13 million, uh, Lane Kiffin even uh, put this story out again. Um, reports. Uh, oh, this for Ohio State. Yeah, yeah. But, but Lane Kiffin tweeted this link. Yeah. Report, Ohio State Buckeyes spent $13 million in counting in NIL money to attempt to field elite roster. 
Uh, well, that's exactly what they're doing. They're fielding an elite well, and that's roster. the exact number Ryan Day requested. Well, if you, you remember, you he, spoke exactly to, that. Yeah. he spoke to boosters and said, we have calculated it will cost us $13 million right. in NIL this is what we need. to remain at the top of college football. Oh, they're doing that, man. They are absolutely doing that. Caleb Downs, Julian Sand, the latest, a couple of Alabama guys. Sand was committed to the Tide and signed there. Now he's going to Ohio State. Caleb Downs, terrific safety for Alabama. He's going to Ohio State. There's no doubt that – um, Junkins. Yeah, there's no doubt that they're very motivated at Ohio State to beat Michigan. Given their struggles against them and their struggles to get back to winning a national championship, they are going all in. You know what that means for Ryan Day? You better damn well beat Michigan this year. It is really that simple. Because your boosters and everyone around that program have given you all the money. You are getting not just a couple of these transfers, all the transfers. I don't know why half these quarterbacks are there, given the fact that only one can play, whether it's Saiyan or Walker Howard or Devin Brown or, this or whoever. Year, this year's version of Ole Miss. It's crazy. They're getting all the players, and they're spending all the money. That tells me all the blame will go to Ryan Day and his staff if they do not vanquish a likely Jim Harbaugh-less Michigan team this year. And – a Connor Stallions less Michigan team. Oh, that's right. Well, he's yeah. no longer doing that for them. So, got to win. They lost to a Jim Harbaugh less and Connor Stallions less Michigan. Got to win. No more year. excuses now if you're if you're Ryan Day in Ohio Speaking State. Speaking of the Buckeyes, Bobby Carpenter about the Jordan Swimmer return. You're on hot mic. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Always a great day when we have the chance to chat with our next guest. Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow rolls on here at outkick.com slash watch. Bobby Carpenter joins us as well as we react to the football weekend and much more. You can follow him on social at bcarp3, the Buckeye, Cowboy, and just overall great dude. Bobby, good to see you, man. Gentlemen, thanks for having me on. Uh, excited to be with you guys on this. Uh, football's quickly winding down here. we got a couple weeks left of the NFL. This was the year to get the Chiefs, right? It's the year to beat them. They're on the road in the postseason. If you're Josh Allen and, and the Buffalo Bills, I mean, you wake up today and you have to think, was that a dream? Did that just happen? Because this was our year to bust through the door. We're hosting them, and somehow we still lose that game. Yeah, you felt like they were very vulnerable. Offensively, this has been as disjointed as they had been all uh Andy Reid's tenure, I would say. I mean, yeah. going back five, six years, even to Alex Smith, like there were ups and downs. There were a ton of drops by wide receivers. They didn't have those consistent big plays that they'd always had over the top with Tyreek Hill. You know, he was gone. Uh, the one bright spot was Isaiah Pacheco. Like he was a very, very dominant running back, physical piece when he was healthy. And you could see them impose their will with him on uh, Sunday night. But it was, 
it was just a pretty amazing situation because it felt like Buffalo the whole time, this was going to be it. Like everything was moving in their direction. They were at home, you know, they get the, the, uh, touchback through the end zone and you feel better about that. Like you're going to go down and watch Josh Allen put together a drive. And, you know, unfortunately it doesn't work out all the way. And then they miss that chip shot field goal. And I feel like we were really robbed of an opportunity to see probably a fantastic finish to an unbelievable game. So that rule, all of a sudden, you know, the fumble through the end zone, touchback, Bill's football, it is uh, automatic on social. League's going to look at this. They're going to review what this rule should be moving forward. Uh, I just, I, I, I laughed at it because it, of course, it's, it's Buffalo and Kansas City playing. It's Allen and Mahomes. And we've already seen them change the rule book before based on a result between these two. I've seen this happen many times, uh, and people will complain about it, but nothing gains traction like a marquee matchup between this rivalry. What should the rule actually be? Because this is one of the few, Bobby, where it benefits in a great uh, great way the defense for an offensive rule book right now in the National Football League. Well, the overtime rule, going back to that, that being changed, I mean, that was an arbitrary setup that you know, football in college does it different than the NFL. The NFL has tinkered with it a little bit. College yeah. is now tinkered with it. Like, you're talking about extra time. And so, yes, I mean, you can always change that and try to tweak it to make it better, maybe fairer. You're, you're right, but let me just jump in because it was always – the argument was, oh, this is for the safety of the players. We, You know, and uh, because Allen didn't have the football back, now they changed the rule. I, I did – I mean, we, we know what the NFL is up to there. Oh, yeah. I mean, they want to see the offenses going back and forth and yes. gunning it. Like, listen, in the regular season, that might be okay. Yeah. You know, however, you get in the playoffs, like you said, you want to see your best players both get a chance on offense, get it done. I have no problem with the touchback rule. Everybody's like, it's overly punitive. It's ridiculous. I go, listen, man, if you kick the ball off and it goes through the end zone, it's a touchback. If you punt the ball, it goes through the back, back of the end zone, it's a touchback. If you're running with the football and you choose to give it up and it goes through the back of the end zone, it is a touchback. Like, that's just a, the how the game has been shaped. It's how it's been written since at least inception, as to my knowledge. I don't think it was ever anything else. And so the people get all upset and bent out of shape about it. I'm like, how many, how many games have you played? Like how many downs? Like this is just, it's what the rule is. So be careful around the end zone. You never used to see this be an issue because people didn't used to always dive and try to stretch to the pylon. And Andy Reid talked about it. He's like, yeah, you want to be aggressive and try to get there, but you also have to understand that it's incredibly punitive if you give the ball up. And I, I think that that's something that is built into the fabric of the game. I like the way that the rules is structured. I hope that they don't change it because what, what do you change it to? Right. How about and this? That, I think that's like, the argument is, or, or the counter would be, I, I don't think they will this offseason because I haven't heard a good explanation of what they would turn to if they're going to change what the rule is currently. Like, well, wait, you get the ball back at the spot of the fumble because we want to see more points being scored. I mean, it, it went out of bounds. Right. We know if it goes out of bounds on the sideline, even if a defender's closest to it, if you haven't clearly established possession, that goes back to the offense. Like I, I don't have a better solution for it as to what that they should do. That that's the problem. Is everybody will they want to change it? I'm like, well, uh, what do you do? Like, how do you determine who gets possession? Then it's like the ball went out of bounds. We'll treat it as it went out of bounds. I'm like, but well, then where do you put the ball? Back on their own twenty, and you know, do you move it back twenty yards, and the offense still maintains it? Like. I, I don't know. The offense gets it with a hundred yards up and down the sideline. The only place they can get it is the 10 yards in each end zone. That's, that's the only one place that benefits the defense. 
So when you look at that, I mean, that's literally 80% of the time it benefits the offense, the 20% that it benefits the defense. Now they want to change it, but you just can't give them possession in the end zone. So I don't know how that works. You got to give the, Hey, they're going to change it because uh, they want it 100% of the time. It benefits Mahomes and Allen, uh, either one again, uh, it, it didn't benefit Mahomes there, but certainly set up what was the drive that we all remember. And uh, Chad hit on this too. And he, he's right. You mentioned it, Bobby, just reaching for the goal line. It, it would enable, Chad set this up, it would enable some crazy antics yeah, I, around I the goal line. I don't line. want, Bobby, I don't want anything that adds to people being dumber with the football yeah. around the goal line to where there's no penalty for just going Air Jordan, you know, one arm out trying to extend it over the goal line because if you get hit and fumble it, <laughs> just throw it as far as you can out of the back of the end zone or, you know, into the end zone because then you're going to have the ball right there. So I, I'm with you on that. I don't I don't love the rule, but I hate what changing the rule would say and do more th than that, right? I don't – because I'm with you, Chad. I, what's the viable alternative – to make it better, like it's something that isn't ridiculous because, you know, we've seen Drew Brees where he used to do the sneak and he'd hold the ball over the top and yes. he was very quick with it. Cam Newton. And we've seen all the, these different iterations of it and that's all well and good, but everybody understands like there's a cost benefit to that. And if that ball, we've seen it come squirting out before and then all of a sudden maybe the defense recovers it in the end zone or maybe it goes now through the back of the end zone. And that's just, it's part of the game. And so, yes, while it may be unappealing, it provided great drama in a sense that that didn't provide a second scoring opportunity then for Kansas city and Buffalo was then able to drive the football with what could have been a game tying or potentially a go ahead score there late in the game. Bobby, you spent a couple of years in Detroit in your playing career uh, as a lion. What is that fan base like? What was your experience like with them and how cool is it to see this franchise who's really never done anything, get this opportunity? It's it's tremendous, and you know they they haven't been good for a long time. I mean, you look at this like outside of the Browns, it, you know that's basically kind of mirror organizations, organizations that were tremendous, you know, back in the fifties and sixties, and then once the advent of the Super Bowl happened, they they just couldn't get it, couldn't get through, and then they had Barry Sanders, who you could argue was the greatest runner of the football, maybe the most elusive man ever to be born. And, you know, they get to one early in his career to an NFC championship and then never win another playoff game. And I had played in the first playoff game we'd had since Barry Sanders was there back in 2011. It wasn't at home. Uh, we won our final game against the Vikings, went around, and literally thanked everybody. And Jim Schwartz was awesome. He embraced the city the same way Dan Campbell does and understands, like, hey, it's a unique group of people. Like, you, And Dan hit the nail on the head. He's like, they want something that they can be proud of, win, lose, or draw. They get kicked around a lot. They get beaten down a lot. It's a city that everybody, you know, laughs and jokes about. And, you know, it's it's obviously lost a ton of population base and the manufacturing isn't there and there's just burned out buildings all over the place. But, man, there's a gritty group of people in Detroit that are passionate about it. And this is the connectivity of what sports brings. And, like, you hear the passion which Dan Campbell speaks of. And those folks, they were dying for a winter, man. They are dying. And I, I wish almost – that Green Bay would have won. I'm like, for them to get Green Bay in an NFC championship game at home, like, I can't even fathom what that would have been like. And I, I'm kicking myself for not going to one of those games uh, the last two weeks up there, knowing what it means and, you know, knowing Dan Campbell playing with Aaron Glenn, their defensive coordinator, 
They've got a couple guys at Ohio State that I know well. JT Barrett's on staff. Like it, there's just a lot of connections, and they take care of their their former guys. And I'll tell you this, man. I I um I got done playing. It'd probably been three or four years since I'd played. Probably 2016, 2015. Went to a Kenny Kenny Chesney concert up there, and I, I had some connections with Witten and knew some guys. So you know, we're gonna go backstage and see beforehand. They set up parking, and I pull up in the back where all the buses are and everything. And it's the same guys working parking that, that had been doing it for 10 years. Heck, it's probably still the same guys. And I'm like, hey, and they're like, Carp. I mean, they were juiced. And they like just grabbed the car, got they didn't even check to see if my name was on a list. Anything was going on. It was the fact that I used to play for the Lions. We were good, made a couple of plays there for them. And these dudes were gonna just let me in the back. Like they they loved, they loved their Detroit Lions up there. And they've been dying for a winner for so long. And during this stretch, I mean, you've got the Pistons who lost like 187 games in a row. And so you're, you're battling with that on the other side. It's cold. It's snowy. And like to see Dan Campbell and the way that he has kind of built that team and, and the identity they have, gosh, it means so much for him. I, I can't even – it's the only game that I heard all weekend where like the sound was audibly coming through the crowd noise through the speakers because it was just that that raucous of an environment. It was really cool. The the open with Jeff Daniels narrating it on NBC, and they went through the two longtime Lions fans. It's great. I'm rooting for them. I'd love to see the Super Bowl lead up of the human interest stories of the city of Detroit and what it means to them to be back in or be in a Super Bowl for the first time is incredible. You got Ohio State, your alma mater, trying to get back to a college football playoff and play for a national title, and they're going to stop at nothing to do it. Ryan Day said they needed $13 million in NIL money to get it done and compete at the highest level. Bobby, I'd say they've been pretty successful raising money because they have a haul coming in in the transfer portal right now. What do you make of this heater that Ohio State's on right now in the transfer portal? You know, it's, I, I, throughout that number, I don't know, you know if that's wholly accurate as to what they, they've had to you know, do for you know, elements of recruiting college, high school players, and then retaining your current roster and then obviously getting some guys then out of the portal as well and how that's ultimately going to look. Um, he's done a heck of a job. You know, part of it, you benefit from Nick Saban leaving. I mean, you can't, I don't think anyone would have forecasted that Ohio state picked up three guys from Bama and Julian saying is, is a nice addition, but like, I don't think anybody's expecting him to contribute immediately this year, but you get Caleb towns who for my money is one of the best safeties that I've seen play the college game and doing it as a freshman it gives Ohio State a ton of flexibility because that was the one position where they really needed somebody. They can move their one safety, Sonny Styles, potentially up to linebacker. It just allows a lot of stuff to happen. You know, bringing Judkins and what they're able to do then with a couple of running backs. You know, it, it, Ryan understands the gravity of this. And you, I don't know if you want to say desperation, maybe with you know some of the boosters and fan base, but hey, lost three years in a row to your rival. They just won a national championship. It's going to be an expanded playoff. Not only, gentlemen, do you need to be good now, but you need to be deep. You're talking about winning potentially 16 to 17 games to win a national championship. And so thinking like uh, you can have one running back or you know, you can you know just ro roll with like five or six defensive line. Like you need depth. We watched these games in the NFL this weekend and how decimated some of these teams were with injury. You're going to start to see that now because, frankly, you start getting to the end of the year, guys. Talking about a conference championship, and then you've got a four, three, or four game run, depending on where you're at. Like those are against other elite teams. This isn't going to be against you know Northwestern State where you can get your dudes out at halftime. These are going to be 60 minute football games, and there will be some attrition. So you need to have the depth. It's great to see Ryan kind of do that. And then 
I think the addition of Bill O'Brien with some of those Bama guys probably didn't hurt all that much either. Bobby Carpenter uh, joins us. Uh, and always enjoy when you have the time to do this, Bobby. Really appreciate it and uh, love the perspective. Have a great week. And, uh, yeah, it sucks that uh, what, what one of your kids is a, is a Bills fan, right? That sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah, my, my oldest son, it's crazy. My dad, it's, it's wild. I mean, he didn't play for the Bills. And he just, I think he loved Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas and everything. And so my son, he, saw, he stumbled on this YouTube. I, I absolutely despise that my kids get in there and just watch all this nonsense. But he ran across the Bills Mafia stuff. And so like he's all in on the Bills in the game they played, I forget, maybe Cleveland, whoever, a couple years ago when they got snowed out. One of our neighbors is from there. He got a son his age. They drove up to the Detroit uh, to watch the game, and he's been like all in ever since. And so last night, it was uh, it was tough for him. He was he was very upset, and he just clicked the remote. And he's like, "Well, season's over." Like and like walked upstairs. He's like, "Hopefully next year will be better." And uh, I mean, that's just how abrupt the NFL season is. You're sprinting on a treadmill, and someone just pulls the plug on it, and now you're back to square one all over again. I can see the motion, man. It's uh, uh, you've been there, you know that it's hard, ending. man. It's yeah. hard. Dan but, talked about it. It's so hard to get there that people think next year you just will yourself back. Everybody's a year older. It's a team is different, and just there's no guarantees. It's so so hard, and you don't get it when you're young. But by my third or fourth year, it's like, man, this is really stinking hard. And guys pour their lives into this. They pour their bodies into it. And they're like taped together at the end of the season. I mean, you saw the center for Detroit last night. Yeah. He would have done anything to stay in that game. No doubt. Bobby, always great, man. Thank you. Thank you, Thank Bobby. You. Yeah, there's Bobby Carpenter at B-Carp3. Uh, great dude. And uh, yeah, I mean, the, the emotion of the of the, of the the moment for his son. He's a, yeah. a Bills fan. He, Bobby's uh, feeling it because he's he's been and felt that too. And he's seen his son do it for the first time. Yeah, it's uh, crazy. I think any any fan, you know, can can understand that feeling of finality when a great yeah. run ends, and, and uh, this the season's is going to be over. A different team and, now. and and well, and in the NFL, it's always a different team. Well, there are a lot of turnovers. No, year though. to year, there's, there's going to be turnovers. Million so over the cap. You only had one chance with that team. Yeah. Um, good news for Bills fans, though, to keep this positive is you still got Josh Allen. That's a good thing. Yes, they do. And well, they, I guess they have digs for another year. There's an out after this upcoming season. Yeah. But, Iowa still has Caitlin Clark, too. She's pretty good. Yeah, so uh, Caitlin Clark uh, looked like – Chad, I've been trucked by Delaney Walker before yeah. on an NFL sideline. When right. I saw uh, the court storming, Ohio State beating Iowa, I thought well, this brought back flashbacks of getting trucked. Um, and then you sent us – I mean, it, it, you can see that the fan who's storming the court run directly into her. Uh, but you sent a different alternative angle. And this is like in the world of replay. Um, is this – Getting trucked? No. Is this a flop? Yes, it's a flop. Yeah, it's, it's a little floppish. I will say, like, if you're just running and you don't see anyone, you know, she doesn't see her yeah, at you all, spin and, and you get hit even a little bit, I guess she can cause you to fall down. I don't know why the huge reaction on her face as she does it. Um, she does also truck the fan. She knocks yeah. her to the ground as she's that running on the court. fan was laser-focused with the phone. I, I would be more critical of Ka Caitlin Clark's soccer-like flop attempt. I'm not just going to pick on soccer, too. Basketball players flop like this all the time. The NBA has a new rule And she plays it. basketball. Yeah, people <laughs> flop. It, it's, an, it's a cross sport. Um, but she was cool after the game. She, she didn't yeah. have – she knew it was a big win for Ohio State and said it was not a big deal. If she had been more dramatic about it and made it into a big deal, I would have an issue with it. I got no problem. Well I got no problem with this. Sean Merriman joins us. Lights out.
Uh, again, first angle, it looked like the fan was going to. Uh, Sean doesn't strike me as a guy who flopped a lot. No, but he, in his career, he did uh, not a big flopper. He did train with WWE for a while, I believe. So he would he would learn how to take a bump or two. Yeah. Uh, what's up, Sean? Good to see you, man. Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? Good. Was that a flop? Yeah, most definitely. Okay. <laughs> you know, the sure sign of the flop was the dramatic head reaction. Like, she didn't need to flail her head back the way she did. As yeah. you see it again I, here, Sean, you could tell, like, the head I, I, going back in that way. Like, this is definitely, she's, she's flying. Listen, she's selling gotta, the foul. Gotta, she, she threw in a forearm shiver, and I know a few things about those. She, if you see that replay, she threw in a forearm shiver there, and then with the turn, it's just, it was a little bit too much for me. One, so. like, a half a revolution too many, too, on the spin. After she takes the hit, where I'm like, she's definitely trying to sell this foul. Yeah, it's not like Bama. Bama's used to uh, having the fans on the field whenever they lose. Uh, yeah. Caitlin Clark, uh, new to it. Uh, lights out 14, uh, just around the corner, coming up next month. Fubo Sports is where you can see this exclusively. And uh, Friday, February 16th uh, is where you can check out Lights Out and uh, lightsoutxf.com. Uh, we were mentioning last time you joined us, Sean, Lights Out 13 was, it felt like, what, was it 10, 9 or 10 is whenever you joined us for the first time. And now you're, you've got another one uh, right around the corner. Again, props, because this is not easy to do. Fight promotions are not easy. Uh, it, I guess it could be fun. You're having a blast with it, but it's stressful. And not many people could do it uh, on the longevity of keeping this going. And your goal is to have one of these every month. Yeah. And, uh, you know, coincidentally, and I didn't plan on doing this, but we're in Long Beach on the 16th and UFC is in Anaheim the, the very next day. So, okay. you know, we're hoping to get a couple people yeah. to drop through. I know that uh, like Kane Velasquez is going to be there. I think Tony Ferguson is dropping by this one. We got we probably got a couple guys in this card, to be honest, is going to end up in the UFC at some point. Um, so we got this is probably our biggest one. Lights out extreme fighting 14. Uh, February 16th, be live on football TV, football sports. And I think we air a week later on Bally's and Amazon Freebie and some other platforms. But got a huge announcement um, that, that's coming here, uh, here probably next month or so, just about lights out, just more distribution, more eyeballs, more opportunity to get these fighters seen. And as you said, man, it it's not easy. It's a crowded market, but we're, we're fortunate enough to be up there and talk about what some of the best organizations. And that just... Really a, a test of the fans and the, and the people out there that support it, watching what we're doing. They love our production. They loving our fights. We had a, this last fight we had, guys, was a blood, was a blood uh, bath. If you if you were any, anywhere next to the cage, you were getting blood on you. It was that messy. Uh, but this fight we got coming up is our biggest fight we've had uh, of the car of uh, our history of the company so far. Uh, just thinking about this out loud, we saw PFL and Bellator merge here. Have you been approached about anything like that before? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We, I'm, we have, I'm, I'm uh, not trying to put you in a business spot here, but I, I, that is the business where you're trying to compete and there are other businesses who are not doing as well. I, I think that, um, you know, for us, we got a, we got a nice lane of where we're at, right? I think that, you know, PFL is is more in tune to trying to compete with the UFC and they they want that spot. For us, man, we have created our own lane. Uh, we got some announcements of former football players we're going to um, uh, have coming up. Actually, on this card, A.J. Hoskins, who played linebacker at uh, at Oregon, he, he's uh, he's fighting on this card as well. Uh, but we got some big-name uh, former NFL guys that I'm hoping to announce here. As soon as I can get it clear with their wives, <laughs> that was that, that's the biggest thing. It's not them. They want to fight. They want to go. But it's, it's the conversation with the family that they got to have. But, you know, to have the viewership and the numbers that we have in these jumps, um, now, now fighters all over the country are trying to come and fight on one of our cars. That's, that's really big, man. You know, I've talked to Dana about it. I've talked to, you know, um, a lot of guys get the opportunity. We've got some guys that fought the UFC, uh, Alba Morales on this card. He's going to probably have a chance to go back to the UFC. Tommy Aaron, who's Tony Ferguson's guy. 
So we're, we're pretty stacked up when this car coming around. Lights out, XF.com for more info there. Uh, you could go sign up some of the Bills Mafia, uh, going through tables and doing other things. I'm sure they'll get in the octagon. Some of them would. I don't know if they'll do it on fire, but at least one fan <laughs> would. Uh, what about the those that are helping clean the stadium out, Sean? Um, I don't, not once, but twice they've done this. And $20 an hour is the compensation that's uh, that's out there. I don't know if I would sign up for that. Yeah, you wouldn't because you're not from Buffalo, right? It, it's in th- this is what I said to people, and and I didn't understand a lot of things before I went to Buffalo. You just it's a culture that you can't really explain that you've never seen before, and it's one of those things that if you're born in Buffalo, you put on a Buffalo Bills beanie, and you are a Buffalo Bills fan for life, right? And then that's just how they go. And so I think the outside world and people out there who are you know more fascinated that you know multi-billion dollar owners wasn't paying more. It wasn't about that. Most of these guys, I can tell you, 80% of these guys, if not more, will go out there and do it for free because that is their team, right? That is their backyard. That's their that's their blood out there. And, it, and it's, a, it's a special place. And I always try to warn people who are not from there, who, who haven't lived there, at least, that don't understand the culture, to kind of just stay out of it. Because, yeah, from the outside looking at you, like, hey, look, I'm not doing anything for less than 50 or 60 bucks an hour, right? Uh, those guys, those fans there, they would absolutely do it for free, and they'll do it again over and over again, regardless of what the outside world says. Are they about to put a dome on that new stadium? No, but they should. You know, I, I think that um, that at, at worst, they should have a retractable roof, right? And I'm not talking about because of uh, the, the weather there and people getting into the game. I just don't like the fact of weather influencing games. I, I've never been a big fan of that because you don't want to blame a big moment because the weather's just poor. And I love it. I mean, when I when I played there, they would open up the practice door facilities just so it was cold as hell in, indoors, right? I mean, they they would we would almost prepare and practice that way. Uh, but it does get to a point where a big field goal, a, a big play is affected by strong winds or snow or your footing or whatever it is. And I I have no problem playing in bad weather, but out there it's a different level it when, when it gets this get this time of the year. You know, let's let's take the miss kick out of it in the end. But every other facet of the game and, and this team, we know Josh Allen's really good, and he played really well. We got that one play where he missed a wide open digs, didn't see him, tries to throw it deep, throws it short. Um, aging defense, there are issues there with the team that needs to be addressed. What's the top takeaway from this team, this run, this game, whatever it may be, Sean, that you see with the Bills that they need to address this offseason? Yeah, I think I think they do need to get younger on the defense side of the ball. That's no doubt about that. And then look, Von Miller, he even he had with some really good plays, not even against the passing. He had some plays where he passed some, some really good TFLs. He was in the backfield a lot. Um, he can still get it done. But in order to have the longevity of 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 having an opportunity to get back there again, you got to get younger on defense. And I always said this. There's a three or four year window of when your team is all together and you're really good before contract negotiations start. Uh, people in the front office start to either get fired or they get, or they go move on to get more a bigger job or better jobs somewhere else. Maybe the assistant GM is promoted to a GM at another organization. So you got about a good three or four year window. Look at the history of, of football in general. The Legion of the Legion of Boom. All these guys. You got to include us, right? From 06 to 2010 was our window with the Chargers back in the day. We should have at least won one, maybe two Super Bowls. So. I'm not going to say they're going to have a rebuilding moment. That's not going to happen. But in order for them to be back into contending again, they're going to have to get younger on that defense ASAP. Man, that, that Chargers team is a great example. I haven't thought about them in a, in a bit with Ladanian and, uh, of course, with Phillip Rivers. You and you had, I mean, you guys were good uh, until you 
you know, feel a lot like the Bills, honestly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great example. The uh, Plus the unis. The unis are, you had them in the playoffs there. The, the other hurdle, because you're playing in the era with some great quarterbacks, this is Mahomes. Mahomes, mentioned the stats, he's not throwing for as many yards or his touchdowns this regular season. He's got receivers dropping passes left and right. He's throwing more picks than he has in his career. But in the moment, he and Kelsey, Andy Reid, and that defense, they get it done. Are they, are they about to go on the road again and beat Baltimore with this Lamar Jackson-led offense and defense? Yeah, I mean, look, first off, how they got into position to be in the AFC Championship game this year with that team that they had, those drops and injuries and guys going down. Mahomes, you know, Travis Kelsey, as great as he is, he's getting older. Um, they're, they're all kind of dwindling down. They're not as dominant as they was back in the day. But for them to get there again is just it is incredible because Andy Reid, great coach, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, great quarterback, tight end. That defense is not getting up with Chris Jones. And those guys are not getting enough credit of the former Drew Tranquil made some big uh, former charger. Drew Tranquil made some big plays uh, back there. I don't see anybody beating the Ravens. No one. And for, for the simple fact, not even because I think they're a the better team. It's just a style of football that the Ravens are playing right now. It's very old school. Uh, one of the linebacks, and I don't know if it was Queen or, or it was Smith, that came on the press, press conference the other day and said, I don't care if our cousins show up, they're getting dealt with. Right. We we I, that's old school talk. That's the way we talk back in the day. You don't hear that out of the new generation guys with that mentality and that attitude. And it's shown on the field. They are straight up hitting people in the mouth. And it's it's hard to play four quarters because they start to beat you up. And you start to see even Houston, they came out, they they look good early on. They had some, you know, kind of some energy about them. And then slowly but surely you started to see them getting punched and punched and punched. And they couldn't take it. And the separation that game started to happen. And with the, with the style of play of the Ravens right now and, and what the Chiefs have, they, they're not going to be able to, the Chiefs are not going to be able to make those mistakes against, uh, against the Ravens and get away with it. I just don't see that happening. Sean, you're from the, the Baltimore, D.C. area, so you know a lot about the Washington, still hard for me to say, the Washington Commanders. Uh, you know a lot about their fans and, and that organization growing up in that area. What is it that they need? We know they needed new ownership. They mm-hmm. got that. Now that they're looking for a head coach, what is it that franchise needs in a head coach? I think they need to bring an identity back. And nothing against Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera uh, was my D coordinator. I played for him. Great, great. I think he's a great coordinator. Uh, I think that over time with the previous ownership, it kind of just sprinkled in and, and kind of rolled over to some of the things that happened, right? And it was a lot of stuff they were dealing with. And there's a certain point, man, the energy level that you can walk in a building and you just you just get tired, right? You can only get punched in the gut but so many times, and that's what was hap- happening with Dan Snyder there. And I think that he just took the win out of so many people and what happened there, what was going on there behind the scenes, that they just couldn't get up off of the ground. It was a knockout punch, and, and, Ron, and Coach Rivera couldn't get back up. So I don't necessarily blame all of it on him. I think they need fresh blood. They need somebody's going to come and establish an identity for them let them know who they are, and also they need a franchise quarterback. Because we all know in this league nowadays, if you don't have a franchise quarterback, you don't have a shot. This isn't the 2000 Ravens, right? And nothing against Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer is a really good quarterback, but they averaged 12 or 13 points and went to the Super Bowl. Those days are gone. And so until you get a franchise quarterback, and I'm not saying they don't have one, so I want to I want to say that too, because that quarterback um, is Howe, right? Yes, yeah, Sam Howe. Yeah, he he took a beating. Now he was, I mean, it's, it's hard. I don't care how good you are. It's hard to throw the ball from your back. And he was on his back a lot this year. So if if he's your guy going forward, you need to establish the offensive line. 
uh, you know, bringing a head coach that's going to bring in the identity. And look, Dan, I think Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell is a prime example that every organization should be using right now and why coaches matter. Why coaches matter? If you bring someone that instill this, this mentality to your team, it trickles down to the rest of your guys. They're, they're talking like, they're, you know, the Lions are talking right now like they're not the underdog, underdogs in anything. And so it does show you that with the proper coach, with the right coach, you bring them in and you can establish you know, a mentality there. They haven't had that in the last couple of years. So those two things for the commanders to get back on top needs to be done. Sean, I thought it was established that Jim Harbaugh is going to be the next head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, they're bringing in, what, four to six coaches for the second wave of interviews uh, in person. What, what are we seeing there? And it, just boots on the ground. Is Harbaugh the next coach or is it someone else? Guys, look, I, I don't think we've seen anything like this in in, in the history of, as far as the process, right? And maybe it's been going on, but they haven't been as public about it, you know, yeah. like it's almost like as soon as a, a, a interview is wrapped up, it's right on social media to the public. As soon as a GM is is going there, it's right out to the public. And I don't think we've seen anything like that. So I can speak for majority of the Chargers fans. I know what they want. They want Jim Harbaugh. And I and I get why. And it makes perfect sense why they do. Jim Harbaugh's been very public about uh you know Justin Herbert and how he feels about them and how great of a quarterback he is. Obviously what what uh, coach Harbaugh's uh uh relationship with the Chargers, you know, being there have, having that relationship there also, too, you know, we don't know what's going to happen if he decides to go back to Michigan and deal with the NCAA. So the the everything is pointing to Jim Harbaugh being there with the team. Now, I'm not a I'm not a fan of just because someone has a name that they're going to automatically come in and win. I don't I don't believe that because they were they were calling for Bill Belichick, which I thought would have been a horrible decision. Not nothing against Bill Belichick. He's a great coach, probably the greatest coach of all time. I think what they have right now, they, they didn't need a Bill Belichick. Um, I think he still has some other qualified coaches out there. Mike Vrabel, I, I don't think would be a bad, bad idea to somebody that's going to come and establish an identity because that's what those guys are missing last year. They were also missing identity. They got stars, but sometimes they disappeared. And so Jim Harbaugh, yes, one, because it'll, it'll satisfy the hell out of the fan base. That's what I would do if, if I was if I was uh, Dean, you know, Dino, Dean Spanos in, 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 in the front office. I would just pull a trigger because at least at the end of the day, we can go right back to the fans and say, guys, this is what you wanted. Regardless of the outcome, this is what you wanted. We gave it to you. And if it don't work out, you buy yourself a little wiggle room because at least you attempted to go win now. So between Jim Harbaugh and, and, and Mike Vrabel, I don't think you can lose what would need one of those two guys coming in. You guys heard the report, uh, I believe it was Yahoo, about Harbaugh in Michigan and what the the – what the counter has been to the offer from Don Yee, just immunity on any incident thing where he cannot be fired with cause out of the contract he's going to sign with them. If you're Michigan, do you give that to him, Sean? Uh, well, look, I think they're talking about what, 12, 13 million a year, 12 and a half, 12 and a half. And he would, he, he would not be able to get fired with cause for anything that has happened in the past. Yeah, I think if you got a opportunity to come into with the charge of Justin Herbert and that team they got right you take now, that. If you, if you were ever com considering even a slight chance that you wanted to get back to the NFL level, there's not a better time to doing it right now. Going back to Michigan is not going to help your, um, you know, help your legacy. You've already won. You've already did it at that level. And I think that when you can have an opportunity to come here and win a Super Bowl, because you can with this team, they they got the players. You're walking into the you walking into the mix, and you got the keys to a Ferrari right now. You don't have to start it up and see if that thing working or anything like that. You can go right now. 
Uh, so if he if he was considered on that NFL level, I know he took some visits to to the Falcons and some other places. The charges make sense. It's, if I was him, that's the only only decision I would make. Yeah, Chad and I agree. Well, on that front, uh, we'll be at the Super Bowl in Vegas. What's the best party you've been invited to already? The Fanatics. All right. The, the, yeah, I think the Fanatics probably going to be the biggest biggest party this year. I was I was talking to Michael Rubin, um, you know, a few of I think two months ago. And uh, he's always he's always had you know some of the best parties, if not the best party down in the Super Bowl. But I think this party might be the might be the biggest one he's ever done. So well, you you have a standing invite to our party on Radio Row, where we'll be uh, right. hosting our show. So feel free to come by and join us at any time, Sean. We always appreciate these visits. We'll do. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Thanks, lights man. out fourteen. Check it out. Uh, Lightsoutxf.com uh, coming up in February, and you've got the opportunity to uh, check it out through Fubo Sports and uh, well other outlets as well for February sixteenth at Friday. Um, and just go to lightsoutxf.com to check out the uh, promotion there that Sean is uh, crushing it with. NBC just announced uh, numbers for the Lions-Bucks game. 40.4 million people watched. That is the most watched NFL divisional playoff telecast in 30 years on NBC this past weekend. On NBC or just in any network? NBC Sports posted its most watched NFL divisional playoff telecast in 30 years, so just for NBC. Is the way I'm reading that. that because the, the, the divisional round, wild card, Packers, Cowboys got 40 on average. And then we're also comparing Packers. Well, they 49ers. got 40 here. This is 40.4. This we, was, that was the average. Well, you had uh, Packers 49ers, which is the most watched Saturday. Saturday, yeah. 37 and a half. It's insane, man. And again, up 30% from last year from that perspective. You know, I, I don't. Uh, is it no offense, no problem? Because the offense has been worse this year, yet ratings are at an all-time high. That, I don't maybe know what you can do Look wrong. at that. Maybe, maybe people want more balance. They, they like their defense also. Got to eat your vegetables too, Hutton. We welcome in Davey Hudson. Hutton knows that. He loves vegetables. I do love vegetables. That's all he eats. Uh, Davey, I think, likes vegetables. He doesn't like dairy. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I like ice cream, but... You don't like cheese. That is correct. Specifically, yeah. It's more cheese, not just dairy. Oh, just cheese. Just cheese. For the most part. Anti-cheese. What color do you think Davy's shirt is today? Highlighter green? Neon? Uh, your shirt's quite the enigma. I'm not, I'm Maybe not it's quite the lighting. Sure. I'm not sure. It looks different in the light than it does when I glance over at it. Is lime? Like lime green, maybe? That's what I would go with. It's, yeah. a, it's a very light lime. green is how I would describe okay. it. Like a sherbet. Yeah. Sherbet. Probably more of a spring shirt, if I'm being honest. But, no, it's okay. You know. It's all right. We welcome it. Uh, time for That's My Quarterback uh, with more Terrell Owens. It's my quarterback. Gentlemen, and then there were four. We are down to four quarterbacks that have a chance to help their team win the Lombardi Trophy. And right now, it's all about trust. Who is the one quarterback that you don't trust whenever it comes to helping his team ultimately reach that goal? Chad, my trust fall at quarterback is solely based on perception, not current reality, and... He's no longer playing at home. Jared Goff. Of the four remaining, I have the least amount of trust with Jared Goff because I have seen time and time again Brock Purdy and this offense in San Francisco win. They win. And I also trust his coach. I'm factoring everything in. To me, the playoff quarterback left that I don't trust uh, as much as the other three, Jared Goff. Even though I am rooting and I stand behind Detroit, I want to see them play in the Super Bowl. We can change answers on this, so I'm, I'm going to change my answer. I've thought about it since I submitted this this morning. Uh, I put down Lamar Jackson originally. I, I'm changing it. It's Brock Purdy. 
Uh, I, I don't like the way Brock Purdy played for the majority of that game. And I like the way Lamar Jackson played at least for that second half against the Texans. So I, I know Purdy came up big in the biggest moment, and they won. I'm not knocking the guy. But if the, the guy that I trust the least in these playoffs now moving forward, I, I'm, I'm going away from Lamar Jackson. I trust him a bit more. Brock Purdy's my answer. Winner take all in this game for trust. It's, I, I think I, I'm with you on Lamar. If, if you look Not at this year, man. He's looking good right now. I guess I got to eat a little bit of crow. I didn't think he'd show up, uh, and obviously the Texans defense hey. or the Texans offense was shut down by that defense. Yeah, but. he surprised me too. I thought that game was going to be much closer. So I, I, it's very close still for me between Lamar Jackson and Brock Purdy, and I'm close to saying Lamar Jackson I trust less, but he impressed me. He impressed me in that game on Saturday. Guys, I, I think I know where you're going with this with your answer for this next one, but we've seen the storylines for each of these four teams. And who's that quarterback you just actually want to see win it all? You just think, you know, that's my guy. That's the quarterback. It's like if, if he were able to win it, it just it, it, you would feel like this season's been complete. Hunting on the count of three, I think we can do this together. Ready? One, two, three. Jared, Jared Goff, Goff is the hands answer. Down. It's the Easy. Detroit Lions. And it's not just him. It's it's the Lions fan base. I like Jared Goff. He, he seems like a nice guy. Everyone sounds of a kind of a quiet dude. He doesn't have some huge personality or anything. Although he's good under in disguise, like going to uh, locker rooms and like tryouts and things like that. Have you yeah, seen that, right? yeah. I know he knew he's doing some good he's, charity work. Also, he seems like a good guy. I'm not saying I love Jared Goff, the dude, yeah. the quarterback, better than everyone else. It's the fact that he's wearing that Honolulu blue lion on his helmet yes. and representing a fan base. That has done mostly nothing for their entire existence. So give me, give me Jared Goff. I, I just, I, I like that answer. I'm curious, does that, like, if he's able to actually win it with Detroit, like, how would that change his legacy? Because we saw him get to the Super Bowl with the Rams and having Sean Payton and ever, sorry, Sean McVay, and then, and then they were held to three points by the Belichick defense. I, I it's just, you want to talk about like a the fall from grace of being traded. I, I just think that's an incredible story. Well, he right becomes there. to answer your question. He becomes bigger than Eminem in Detroit. He, he's the biggest. He's the biggest figure outside of Henry Ford in the history of the city. Of De- his name. With the possible exception of Henry Ford, he is the most important person in Detroit history. Jack has certainly done a lot. It is that. <laughs> Important. I, I really believe that. I mean, the guy's going to be honored for years to come because I don't think the Lions are going to win another one if history shows us anything. If they get one and he's the quarterback and it's this story that he was thrown away like the trash in L.A. for them to get their guy before that, Matt Stafford, they're going to have parades in Jared Goff's honor for years to come. Anniversaries of this Super Bowl team. Years to come. He's on the sideline. He's right there with Barry Sanders and Eminem. And, I mean, he's got the contract extension, uh, the current contract that he had. He had uh, he had a great contract with the Rams, and he had $57 million guaranteed, I believe, most recently uh, with roster bonuses and everything else that he's, he's been given. I never thought he'd see every dime of that. Something else that I'm In amazed Detroit, I'm about saying. this uh, this run that I love. It was love a contract I, dump. Well, I love that I learned this during this this run. Go ahead. Uh, there's an there's a M&M-owned restaurant in Detroit called Mom's Spaghetti. <laughs> Real place. I've heard that. Sounds delicious. It's amazing. Well, it's referencing vomit, so not the best tie-in there. But I mean, other no, than that, there's it's a great. moms in uh, in uh, or mothers, excuse me, in New Orleans. Yeah, no, it's great. 
you get the reference. Mom, mom spaghetti. The song. Vomit on my show. sweater already. Mom spaghetti. But he's got to made it into a restaurant. Good for him. Uh, also, Channing Henry Force name Chad. Pickup man. Back at it tomorrow. Four o'clock Eastern.